Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praise be to Allah, the Lord of the Worlds. Over 100 episodes, almost 40 different ethnic backgrounds, living in almost 30 different countries. In just two seasons, the Niqabi Diaries podcast has brought you the stories of Muslim women across the globe. Women united in sisterhood by their commitment to the Deen of Islam. Welcome to season three of the Naqabi Diaries podcast, where, inshallah, we will continue to bring you the stories of the women behind the veil. The Naqabi Diaries, our experiences, our perspectives, our voices. I'm your host, Samar, and thank you for listening. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praise be to Allah, the Lord of the Worlds. Over 100 episodes almost 40 different ethnic backgrounds, living in almost 30 different countries. In just two seasons, the Niqabi Diaries podcast has brought you the stories of Muslim women across the globe. Women united in sisterhood by their commitment to the Deen of Islam. Welcome to season three of the Niqabi Diaries podcast, where, inshallah, we will continue to bring you the stories of the women behind the veil. The Niqabi Diaries, our experiences, our perspectives, our voices. I'm your host Samar and thank you for listening. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. This is season three of the Nahabi Diaries and alhamdulillah we have another sister with us today, Sister Sharifa. Sister, could you introduce yourself for the listeners and tell us a bit about what you do inshallah? My name is Sharifa Yunus Olokodano. I am from Nigeria. I live in Lagos. I'm a culinary artist, instructor, and the lead formulator at Sherizama Delights. We produce 100% natural spice mix that replaces the usual bouillon, MSG bouillon cubes. Um, we also bake delectable cakes, cookies, and bread, and uh, the arts and science of cooking, and also formulating natural spice mix flavors. I work in Lagos. Um, I have five children, and yeah, that's it. Mashallah, mashallah, alhamdulillah. So, sister, could you give us a little bit of information on your Islamic background, and um, tell us how you came to be wearing the niqab, inshallah? Okay, so um, I was raised to know that I was Muslim, but not with the tenets of Islam. We didn't know anything about Islam. Uh, we didn't used to pray. Our parents were quite uh, laid back when it came to um, religion. So, in fact, I think the first time I heard about the hijab, I was probably 19 years old or something. I didn't know what the hijab meant. I didn't used to pray and all. Um, so, when I was 18, or before I was 18, I went to live with my mom. My parents are separated, oh, sorry, divorced. And um, she was a Christian, is a Christian. And then when I went to her, she wanted me to um, practice a religion. And I wasn't going to take that. It um, wasn't like I knew much about Islam, but um, I was raised knowing I was Muslims, uh, Muslim. And then I was very close to my siblings, my father's side. And I wanted to have a religion different from theirs. So I had a very, very tough time with my mom, especially because I didn't know much about Islam. I didn't really used to pray. So she couldn't understand 
why I refused Christianity, especially because I wasn't much of a Muslim. But all I knew was La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. And I think I probably knew three surah or two surah then. And um, I tried to pray, but I wasn't just used to it. It became a very terrible thing. Um, there were lots of physical, emotional, mental abuse um, in trying to force me towards Christianity and then it, it really went out of hand one day I walked away I went to the police station and said I couldn't cope with the mental physical abuse anymore and I wanted to just I, I wish I could call suicide at that time because there was just nothing for me anywhere and I really didn't know anyone who would help me but I'd met some people who were practicing the religion and they were very nice to me. So um, I went to the police station and said, I left at home myself, nobody kidnapped me. And I was fortunate to get some students at a, a medical school. Um, they allowed me to stay with them in their room. And so that was how my slam really started. It was very tough and um, I became more aware. I started praying more. I lived by myself for close to seven years from that 18 oh, wow. to like 24 or five. Um, I, I would live in different people's homes for a certain time. I, I absolutely didn't have any parents. My mom didn't want to have anything to do with me again because I refused Christianity. Mm. My dad has accepted from her that I should do whatever she wants me to do. So I didn't even have the opportunity to go back to my Muslim father because he had told my mom to do whatever she wanted with me. So I was alone living in different people's homes. I got admission into the polytechnic. And then during the holidays, it's really very tough for me, nowhere to go. But I'll get some friends who would invite me here and there. And till I got a family that kind of like took me in um, and I lived with them till I got married. So um, Islam was very tough for me. Um, it, it came in very extreme difficulty, um, extreme physical and mental abuse. And, um, but I, I met the most wonderful people. And every time they speak to me, they will tell me that your mom would remain your mother and that you, I had to make peace with her despite the things that she did and that was what made me feel that definitely islam must be it because i got a, a different thing from christianity and that but the muslims started telling me your mom will always be your mom you know and they they wanted me to have a relationship with her so i just knew that that was the path aside the fact that i pull of votes that convinced me and you know i started learning to pray and you know doing the things muslims were supposed to do and i absolutely fell in love with islam i wanted to wear the niqab because i read about the women of um, the past mm -hmm. and i was in love with them i wanted to do everything they did and one of the things i knew they did was the word the niqab and i just wanted to be them along the line i had another uh, a relationship with my dad um we weren't very close but at least um it gave me the opportunity to see my siblings from my dad's side we are close and um he didn't want he didn't mind me wearing the hijab or he didn't want me to wear the niqab mm -hmm. so i would wear it and when i get close home i'll remove it and before i got married um, i made sure that whoever's going to marry 
was game with the niqab. It was something I really hoped I was going to pick up. And um, fortunately, I had a way I asked to know that this guy would allow me to use the niqab. And um, he, he liked it. Um, so when I got married, I didn't pick it up till I had my first child. So when she was six months, we left Nigeria to Ghana and I just decided to pick it up at that time. There was some kind of, when I got married, I went a little bit down on how I dressed. I wasn't wearing the right kind of hijab anymore. And then I was like, I was trying to please my mom again, please. I just decided, you know what? I'm just going straight to the niqab. So when we left Nigeria, I just decided that as we moved to a new place, I want people to know me with my niqab. Uh, that was about um, 17 years ago. And so I just picked up the niqab and I never stopped since then. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Mashallah, what an amazing story, SubhanAllah, really, you've been through so many things, Alhamdulillah, Mashallah, Alhamdulillah, and so uh, you mentioned that um, when you wanted to get married, you had a way that you wanted to find out from your husband if the naqab would be okay with him, so is there anything specific that yes. you asked him, just for sisters who might be in a similar situation? Okay. So um, we're asking questions about ourselves. Um, he wanted to know about me. He wanted, I wanted to know about him. So I asked him that. I hope he was not one of those men who believe that their women should cover their face and wear the niqab. I said that to make him feel that I wasn't interested in wearing the niqab. And he kept quiet for a while. And then he said, well, he doesn't believe that the niqab is compulsory but he would love his wife to wear the niqab. But if he doesn't want to wear it, since he believes it's not compulsory, there's no problem. But if he were to choose, he would prefer his wife. He would love his wife to wear the niqab. But if he doesn't want to wear it, it's the same thing for him. That's okay. And because he thought I didn't want the niqab and told me that it was his preference, I knew that that was good for me too. So until later on, when we got married, and I told him that it was a, a trick question. I wanted to know what his real view about the niqab was. And if he wasn't going to allow me to wear it, I was, I was not going to marry him. Mashallah. Okay, mashallah. So um, off, apart from that, um, have you ever faced any kind of abuse for wearing the niqab? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Too many to mention. Oh. I've been called names. Um, it's I've had so many of them, but I would mention a particular one um, that became viral because I wrote about it um, some years ago. I think um, about four years ago. Um, yeah. So I went for a program. Um, it's an entrepreneur program, kind of like where we went somewhere to sell. It was organized by the government. Um, so. I and a sister went to approach a lady because we wanted to have a fair and we're told that she builds the, um, the, the tent that is used for selling. So the sister and I went to meet this lady and as I got to her, I said, hello or good afternoon or something. Mm -hmm. And the next thing she did was to flip up my niqab in public. Wow. And I was shocked. I was, I was shocked. I, I quickly put it back. And I asked her, why, why would she do that? Yeah. And then she just hissed and walked away. And I went after her and I told her she must apologize for what she did. And then she went all bossy and important on me. So um, I, I was crying. And then people asked me what happened. I told them 
and um, it was it was a height for me because um, during that period I have had series of abuses. I've had somebody uh, threaten to remove my dress, remove my niqab because they had problems with uh, on, on the road, something like a road rage hmm. where they hit my car and my car. My husband came out. I came out, and the next thing was to attack me that. She was going to remove my dress. And, you know, a whole sort of things that happened around that period. And so that woman lifting up my niqab was just the height. I just broke down and, you know, I started crying really bad. And then um, I went to report to the authorities. And they told me that uh, she's not that kind of person. She's a good woman. Wow. That she was probably just scared of me because she thought I was a terrorist. Wow. You can imagine that. And I looked at them. I'm like she i so i could go somewhere pull somebody's pants down and i would say because i was scared the person was a terrorist or what and so i just went somewhere and i made dua i said oh allah and so they told me that she had left the place that if she hadn't left they are sure she was going to come to apologize but i knew they were just covering up for her so i went somewhere and i made dua i said oh allah if you want me to deal with this issue Please let that woman, wherever she is, bring her back to where I am and let her do something close to that. But if you want me to leave this issue, let her indeed be gone. And I will go home and try to find comfort that this is for the sake of Allah. Mm. So um, was not more than five minutes later, I went to meet a lady. So the lady was asking me what happened, Hajar. So I told her, as I was saying it, that woman came and she was like, you're a liar. You're a liar that she didn't lift up my niqab uh -huh. and I was like say what so I knew because she came just about five minutes after I made that dua so I knew that definitely this is a time for me to do whatever I think is right and she was like it's a lie she didn't do that and I looked at her and said you know you did this she just said oh she should warn me that she has people in high places that she has people in high places and that her family are on the seats, meaning that um, she has family who are probably lawyers and judges and stuff like that. She knew how to deal with me. And I looked at her and I told her that, well, I don't have a family on the chair, but I have my Lord who is on the throne and he will deal with me. And if I lied against you, then, so I left that place mm -hmm. and then I love to write too. So I wrote about it. I didn't mention her name, but described I, I mentioned what she does. I mentioned where I went for the fair, the location, yeah. without mentioning her name. And then I made a cost. I said, if true, if I lied against her, then must this may this happen. But if she lied against me, then may this happen. But I wanted the world to know how mm. we are being treated because we choose to serve our Lord and because oh. we choose to be modest. And it went viral. Like it went viral i got calls from different part of the world mm -hmm. um people saying that they supported me um even people who were non-muslims but i got really negative things from muslims too who were supposed to understand the deen they were like it's my fault i should have stayed in my house that if i was wow. in my house nobody was take up my income so I, it was backlash both ways mm. um but but there were more supports and some people went, some journalists made investigation. They knew who the person was. So they took her name and posted it on blogs and it became really a very terrible case. And I got the, at that time, I got the deputy governor and commissioners. They called me. The commissioner called first and threatened me. 
he said he was a Muslim and he doesn't understand the nonsense I was doing. And, you know, and then my husband took the call, the phone from me and really said really hard things to him. Who the hell you are? You know, that kind of thing. And then I got the deputy governor um, called me too. And he was, you know, very political about it. Anyway, the case died down. Uh, but it left me um, extremely in a very bad mental state. I became very panicky. Mm. I had anxiety and I had um, night terrors. I would sleep and then if you called me at that time or you wake me up, I would wake up startled and scared and I was scared to go out. Mm. Till, you know, I, I wanted to take up the case. Um, I got lawyers who contacted me that we were going to take up the case pro bono and that they were going to deal with a lady. I was interested in doing that, but around that time I got pregnant and I felt that maybe Aladdin wanted me to, what he wanted me to do, I had done it and that maybe he didn't want me to go the court way. And I told the people that I couldn't cope with the stress of court and new pregnancy. So um, that, that, that was the well, I, I can't even say that was the worst, but um, it's one of those really uh, bad times. So yeah, I've had my share of, um, then even as a businesswoman, people expect that because I'm, I wear the uh, face veil, I must be uneducated and stupid. That's how people just assume. And then when I go somewhere and I show how intelligent and smart I am, they are so shocked. And I just tell them that being a woman in Faceville means that I'm one of the best, if not the best, among those people doing that particular thing. So wearing the niqab doesn't make me less intelligent, doesn't make me less um, uh, less human, that I am everything every woman is, or plus more. And so I, I one of the things that um, I love to do is to make people understand that the niqab is not a barrier. It's yeah. a barrier towards certain things that your law does not want, but um, it actually gives me more. Um, I'm more respected. Mm -hmm. uh, I can do more under the rules of the Sharia. Mm -hmm. And then mostly I use the niqab to speak to the younger generation yes. such that they know that wearing the niqab doesn't make you not able to achieve your dreams. Mm -hmm. So I, I come out let people know this is who I am such that they know that those bloggers who wear, who do not do the things that I ask them to do, who would wear makeup over their, yeah. their hijab of uh, jewelry and the young ones are looking up to them. I tell them that you can dress like me and still be successful. You can look like me and still achieve your dreams. You can look like me and still be financially comfortable. Uh -huh. You don't have to, me like this and think that automatically you are poor or automatically um, you lose your dreams. Yes, yeah, your sure. dreams might shape up. Um, it might not be exactly what you wanted, but then it's always better for you. So um, this is one of my hopes, uh, being a woman in the face field. And those are some of the challenges I have gone through. Yeah, subhanAllah, subhanAllah. Really, it's been so many different things. So. Uh, what about traveling sister you mentioned that you traveled after getting married i think okay. you traveled in the yeah. um so i haven't traveled internationally mm -hmm. um really um i traveled to ghana and um i wasn't wearing the niqab then so but when i was coming back yeah. um i wore the niqab and then if they asked to see my face i just asked for a female mm -hmm. and then 
so that that's the only time I've traveled internationally. Um, so I've not had any major problem with travel. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. And have you met other sisters? I mean, you mentioned that you're trying to inspire other younger sisters, especially with the niqab. So have you met sisters who they would like to wear the niqab, but they're not allowed to wear it? Or have you met any sisters who've been forced into wearing the niqab? Well, I haven't met anybody who has been forced to wear the niqab. What usually happens is um, there's a certain sect of, um, or I don't know if I should call them sect of Muslims, yeah. that um, they do not understand even the basic of the deen, but they feel that um, they can just tell the women mm. to wear the niqab. So what they do is um, when they get married, on the day of the wedding, they'll just take the jewel and then throw it at the woman. So once she catches it, it means that she starts wearing the niqab. Even if she was a woman who didn't used to pray, who used to smoke, take alcohol, whatever she was. But the moment on the wedding that they throw you this um, jewel we just have to... So we've heard about that, and people usually ask me, Allah. am I one of those women? I'm like, no. Those men and the no. women, they don't even understand what the hijab was. So I haven't really met anyone who is being forced. But yes, I know quite a number of sisters that um, they want to wear the niqab and their parents mostly do not allow them. And the major fear for the, for the parents is that we have sent you to school because we want you to be financially capable. And we hope that when we grow, you will be able to take care of us. But the moment you wear the niqab, it shows them that you're not, never going to be able to achieve financial um, success. Uh, it, it cuts a lot of opportunities away from you, which is quite right. Yes, it does cut opportunities. And because of that, they are vehemently against their daughters wearing um, the niqab. Some of them fear to, especially when the women are not married, that how would you get a good man to marry? He can't even see your face. Mm. So why do you want to cover it? Because there's so many women outside there who are not covering their faces and yet they don't have husbands. So I do you that. think it's now that you cover your face that you get somebody to marry you? So some of them, um, some of that is also the problem. But I would say the major problem is finances. The belief that the moment you wear the niqab, it means that you do not have financial power anymore or you have put yourself in a place where um, getting financial freedom is going to be difficult because the fact of the matter is you would not get people to employ you most of the time. You don't get people to employ you when, the, when you wear the niqab. Mm. So it's a real barrier when it comes to going out of the house to work. Um, so that's major fear for most people. Uh, but I hear that people often use me as an example. They send my um, page to their parent and tell them, oh, this people come to me to tell me that they have shown their parent my page that I wear the niqab and I'm able to do whatever I'm able to do. And so, yeah, um, I know there are women like that, but um, not personally do I really know them. But I know their affairs. I know what happens. I know why the parents are scared. And yeah. Yeah, subhanAllah. So what, what would you advise these kind of sisters or any other sisters who would like to wear the niqab, but they're not confident to wear it? Okay, so for me, um, the question I ask when they come to me that they, wear, they want to wear the niqab, but they're having difficulty because of their parents, I ask them, what do you believe about the niqab? Do you believe the niqab is compulsory or um, it's sunnah? If you believe that it's wajib, and then you just have to wear it. There is no compromise 
on things that are wajib. But if you think that it is not wajib, you could hold on till you get your man, like the, the way I did too. So you can just hold on such that the, the rights of parents are so high that um, managing that um, that, that situation could be really, really tough. So if you don't believe it is compulsory, I would advise that just hold on to get the man who would allow you. And then when you marry, you can wait. You have so many battles to fight with them. Just choose your battles. But if you believe that it's compulsory, then you know that if you don't wear it, it's a major sin that can take you to Jahannam, then you have to. I have done things like that. Um, I, I, it wasn't even wearing the hijab. It was just to be a Muslim that I was fighting for. And I had to choose Islam above family. I had to walk away from the home. So if I could do that just for Islam, I, I didn't even wear, wear the head cap. I wore nothing. I would wear, I wear jumpsuits, short jumpsuits. I didn't know anything about hijab. And I wasn't really even praying that well, you know. But I chose Islam and I had to walk away. So if I could walk away uh, to choose Islam, um, if you believe that the niqab is compulsory, then you do your best without being rude to your parents. You just continue to tell them why it's compulsory and you just, you, you, you go, you respect to and continue to tell them. Rather, you just refuse to go out. But if they force you to watch certain things, you might just not have a choice. But as soon as you are able to, you wait. So when my parents didn't want me to wear the niqab, I would wear the niqab when I'm going out. And then when I'm close to the house, I would remove it. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the things that I would advise the person to do. Either believe it was compulsory. And then when there are people in the house that are not men, uh, that are men, they could stay in their rooms, but parents can be funny. They will purposely call you out. Yes, yes. And when they call you out, when they force you out, just look down. Don't look at the people. Cry if you want to cry and let them see how much they are hurting you. Yes. But at every point in time, do not be disrespectful. Mm -hmm. um, continue to be good. And one day they will come back to you and tell you that you being a Muslim is, a, is better for you because we can see that you're, you're better now than who you were before. One day they would come to tell you that my mom and I, we are not quite close. Uh, She's still a Christian, but we are quite close. We, we talk very often. She, she prays a lot for me. I do things for her. I buy her things. I take care of her, you know? And so here I am. And now she, she introduced me proudly to her people and say, ah, that's my friend. Eleha. That's my daughter, Eleha. Uh, uh, Eleha used to call women who wear the niqab. Um, uh, in the Yoruba um, dialect. So she would proudly introduce me. Ah, that's my daughter, Aileha. You understand? This is the woman who didn't even allow me to do my religion. So at the end of the day, they would, they would, come, they would come down. It's just the fight that you would fight. And um, we have women who had fought those war in the past. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. So I would like to, inshallah, just like talk about your business a little bit. I, I was really impressed with your instagram account and mashallah i was even i'll be honest with you when i Thank reached you. out to you i wasn't expecting that you'd even reply because mashallah you look like somebody who's very busy so you know alhamdulillah jazakallah for bringing to do this interview so can you tell listeners you, about your business how did you get started what was you know what, what was your kind okay. of drive and inspiration behind it okay um so where as a child i was a picky eater and um, so I didn't like eating. I gave my, pro my parents really tough time. And because I didn't eat, um, I had very low immunity, which meant that I got ill every single month. 
so mm-hmm. much so that people believed that I had the sickle cell because I was always ill and I was very slim, smallish, uh-huh. very smallish for mm-hmm. my age. And so I, I was always like that. Um, we, we took, I took different kind of food supplements that would make me eat, but I never just liked eating. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I was a very ill child and uh, ill young adults. So when I got married, um, was still the same thing. And I had more, you know, when a woman gets pregnant, brings down your immunity. Yeah. So I was fighting more. I was still ill. But I had high-risk pregnancies. Mm. Um, so after my third child, I was tired. So my kids, when I had my kids, they were ill, as ill as I was. You know? um, and my, 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 the family doctor said he suspected that we had a T-cell malfunction and that infused my children inherited it because their immunity was just terrible, you know, and they were getting too ill, like really ill. Um, they would spend 10 days on hospital admission, 21 days on hospital admission. It was really very bad. And so when one child fall ill, the second would do that, the third, and then I will fall ill too after taking care of the kids. So it was, you know, a virtual circle that I was, tired of, we were highly medicated, we were often on antibiotics, antimalarial, we were always taking medication. And so I just got to a stage, I was tired. I was really fed up. Around the, that same time, um, I, I was known more as a baker, uh, but I cooked too. I, thought I trained people how to cook, but I didn't get businesses. People would not come to me that I should cook for them. They just tell me to bake. And then when I'm trying to tell them, oh, I can also cook, nobody listens. So it was around that time I started thinking I needed to do something different from what every other person was doing. Every other person cooks. And um, so by accident, I got introduced to herbs. Somebody just gave me some herbs and spices and said, um, somebody gave, gifted her. She doesn't know how to use it. Mm-hmm. And she knows that I love experimenting. So she gave them to me. And then I started experimenting on them and using them. Just around that time too, you know, I was tired of how we were getting ill. So I decided, you know what? I want to go natural. I want to be less medicated. I I don't want to use anything that has names I do not understand. If I cannot eat it, it's not going on my skin. If I cannot tell what this is, it's not going into my mouth, my skin, my hair. And so um, we went natural. We started taking more vegetables and fruits. Um, so when my children have infection, I just try to allow the body to fight the infection and build its own immunity. And then, um, so I stopped seasoning cubes that had MSG. I started using the spices and herbs. And like a miracle, we started getting less medicated. The need to go to the hospital started reducing. And I saw that we started getting healthier. And, you know, people were like, we're very known in the hospital. And it became a very shocking thing that we weren't going to the hospitals the way we were. And, you know, people would ask me, ah, what's happening? You've not been coming to the hospital. We were customers in the hospital. It was yeah. very embarrassing for us, yeah. but we were customers in the hospital. We were known, you know, with my third child, I was in the hospital for five months while I was pregnant with her. Five months. I got there when I was like two months pregnant. And I left after I had a seven months plus. I always had very high risk pregnancies. So I was just like, I needed to do better. I need to stop this thing. I'm tired of the hospital. I'm tired of my kids. And I saw that when we became very careful about what we ate, I would check labels 
I said, stop taking canned food. I stopped buying um, the regular body care cream. I started making my body cream myself. I, I was just taking anything that was natural. One of my kids had, um, I think, chicken pox. I said I wasn't going to the hospital. Mm. I just told her that she needed to stay alone. And then I went to the market. I got vegetables and fruits. So we started dozing on high vegetables and fruits um, uh, meals. And uh, I used coconut oil on her. For the age, I would use baking soda in water. And so I treated it. And she did, never had a scar, not even a tiny one. Oh, she didn't need to take antibiotics. We didn't need to go to the hospital. And that was a first for me. And no other person got the, the chicken pox. I separated them. I was the only one who was, you know, taking care of her. And mm -hmm. I washed my hands. And, you know, and nobody else in the house had um, chicken pox. And even her, in less than a few days, she didn't have fever. In less than a few days, she was good. Her skin uh, was wonderful. No spots. Then, you know, I was just like, this is it. I, like, mm -hmm. I felt Allah had mercy on me. And then he gifted me. However, also, um, because I used to bake, I do not celebrate birthdays and anniversaries. Um, for cakes, that's where people who bake get their money. Yes, yes. Um, they do like birthday cakes and anniversary cakes. And I wasn't doing it. Mm. So it affected business. So when people come to me and say they want to do birthday cakes, and I say no, they get angry, especially when they are Muslim. Yes, they get yes. angry and they would tell other people that I wasn't worth it. Yes. So I would cry, especially because financially we were um, having serious challenges. Mm -hmm. And so I would cry and ask Allah that this is hard. This is tough. I'm trying to please you, but things are hard. You know, I would cry. And I, every time I cry, I would tell Allah, oh, Allah, please replace it with that which is better for me. Oh, Allah, replace it. That was my prayer then, especially mm -hmm. when things are tough. I would just look up and say, oh, Allah, replace it with that which is better. So um, my belief was I, I didn't do those things. And um, Allah decided to reward me. And that was where he pushed me and my family. And again, to help our um, health, Allah pushed me towards spices and herbs. And so for me, it became not just a reason to shelve the business. It was a reason for health and growth. I became healthier. My children became healthier. I, I rarely needed to go to the hospital anymore. And so it was, um, it was, it was, it was life for us. It gave us new life. Um, I had some other challenges um, that I didn't discover till 2022. Um, but when it comes to going to the hospital because of immunity, we, we didn't, it was almost like we didn't have it anymore. My kids became healthy. We didn't need to go to the hospital anymore. We very, very rarely. I said, the, I, the last time I was ill, the last time I was majorly ill was 2021. At that 2021, I had not been ill for two and a half years. I've not oh, taken wow. anti-malaria for two and a half years. It was very, very rare, you know? And so... But it got to a stage that I, all my defenses broke down again because I was not eating. And um, I realized why I wasn't eating. I took care of that reason. And I, I feel absolutely amazing. My kids really get ill. Yeah. Their body, I love their body to work uh, on the immunity. Okay. And it's been fantastic. So I would say I believe that I created natural spices 
in Nigeria. Mm. I mean, selling it, let me say, I'm sure there are people who are using it too, but they weren't selling. When I started, nobody was doing that business. I, I believe I was the first person. And um, even when we check digital footprints, you would see that my business is the oldest that is doing 100%, no MSG seasoning. Mm. And so that has given us a real good edge. And um, because I also do not like eating, it's allowed me to create flavors that does the work. Yes. Because to eat, for me, things have to really be tasty. It really has to be And because it really has to be nice to make me able to eat it, mm -hmm. I produce flavors that are really nice. Yes. And so, you know, I opened the world to um, people to see that you can cook delicious meals naturally so i'm very passionate about this especially because i've seen how much amazing things it has done in my life and the lives of those who have gone 100 percent natural so that's the long and short of the story mashallah and i've noticed like are you in the kitchen now yes i have a kitchen studio so yeah it's my kitchen oh, studio so you do your filming and everything in there yes i do so have you got a youtube channel sister yeah, I have, but I've not really been doing much on it. It's quite tough doing, being on every social media. So for now, um, I have a YouTube channel, but I've not really been um, working much on it. Maybe later in future when we have more staff, um, we could really start using the YouTube channel. But oh, it's there, just not using it yet. Inshallah. It's been a pleasure talking to you. So I'll just ask you the last question, which is, what does the Naqab mean to you? Mm. To me, it's a class. When I mean class, um, the Nikop makes me feel special. Um, the Nikop makes me feel like I am a queen. Um, it protects me from what is out there. Even despite the fact that uh, people abuse me, quote unquote, but it always makes me stand out wherever I am. You know, people would, and so people do not judge me by how I look. They judge me by what, by what I say, by my intelligence. So it allows my intelligence to thrive and show without people having um, to look at me to make decisions about who I'm supposed to be. It gives me um, a sense of, um belonging it makes me feel really um special it makes me feel that i am a woman who, who is covered who is smart yet protected and loved so it makes me feel like a woman i think that's it it makes me feel like a woman and righteous women uh, women that there are enough for us to look after it makes me feel happy that I'm kind of like connected to them. Mm. So my favorite Sahabiya is Ummu Sulaim, Sahla bin Milham. And one of the things I hope Bismillah, I pray for is that um, when we get to Jannah, I would tell her that one of the reasons I wear the niqab is because I wanted to emulate her lifestyle. And um, I hope it makes us very good friends in Jannah, inshallah. So the niqab for me... Allah. It, it can be tough. Sometimes I, I would think about it that what would have happened if I didn't wear the nikob. I see what the, the I can see what I cut from my life that sometimes I wish that I just didn't wear the nikob. 
especially when I'm trying to get something and it's so difficult. I know why it's difficult. It's because of my nickel. I'll be like, why did I just start wearing the nickel? I would have made life easier for me, especially because I didn't believe it was, I don't believe it's compulsory. So I'm like, I could have decided not to wear it, but no, it's not something I'll ever do. I love my nickel. I love me being in the cup. It makes me feel special and it makes me my 100% queen. Thank you so much for taking part in this interview today and having patience with me and my continued interruptions, alhamdulillah, but um, yes, I'm sure that the sisters will be really inspired from your story, mashallah. Alhamdulillah, jazakallah khairan for having me and giving me the honor. Not yaki, jazakallah khair sister, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.